and welcome to Hardcover Hose, a long-distance book club where two book lovers express their feelings on their book of the moment via podcast. I am one half of your host, Sam Dixon. Hang on, I don't... Ha- oh, now I have it. Sorry. Well, and your I'm- line is just an I'm just kidding, Sammy Scorstat. <laughs> and I'm just Sammy Scorstat. Sorry. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Okay. <laughs> I was so focused on getting it open. I don't know why that was so funny to me, but it really was. That was really I'm, sad. I'm crying a little bit, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Um, I guess together we have come through book talk, combined our... I'm keeping that in. Combined our to be read list. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if I thought we were unhinged in the last episode, yeah. um, and now we intend to make our way through them one at a time, we'd love for you. <laughs> oh, we'd love for you to come along with us and join the discussion. Oh yeah, it's the fourth day of bookmas. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Uh, there is actually no book of the moment for today's episode. Instead, as part of the twelve days of bookmas, we will have a completely different kind of episode today, in honor of the fourth day of bookmas. We are going to be discussing books that have really stuck with the both of us over the years. <laughs> Stop laughing! I don't know why. I can't. <laughs> um, I'm honestly still not used to reading, <clears throat> to not reading a blurb. Wow, I can't. <laughs> okay, okay, that's enough. Okay, okay, it's okay. not that funny. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> um, I'm honestly still not used to not reading a blurb, but I do like not fumbling over my words, which is ironic that I wrote that. We still are. We just did that. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about. I had to open not, the script, not a book. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about books. Okay. Um, I have a list, and I I don't have it up, so you know. <laughs> See, we're both just. I think it's not unhinged. We're just unorganized. <sighs> <sighs> Okay, I'm, re- I'm ready, I guess. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I have a list. Mm-hmm. I feel like... You want to um, start? We sure. don't really have a, have a, a plan for this no. episode again. And and I feel like there... I'm, I was trying for there to not be overlap with oh. books from, like, elementary, like, the our last... Oh, that's fine if you do Fun that. episode? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but I was like, we just talked about all those books. But, um... I think the first one, I, okay, surprisingly, I guess maybe not surprisingly, but there are a couple of, like, assigned, um, like, English class books on okay. my list. Um, the Giver is the first one for me. I don't think I ever read that, and I feel like I should have. <laughs> I think about this book at least a few times um, per month, I think. Okay. Um, Taylor Swift was in the movie. So she was. I, yes. <laughs> so okay. I feel like you should give the story a go. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that one. I also really liked. Um, I think about Fahrenheit 451 quite a Me bit. Me too. Me too. For a long time, I used to say that was my favorite book because it really was. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I. I mean, like, I had to read it for what it was freshman year yeah. English class. Um. And I think that was probably one of the only books that year that I actually read. Yeah. Um, so maybe the other books that were assigned would have stuck with me too <laughs> if I had read them. But yeah, I really liked that book. And I, I mean, I think those are like some classics that like 
aren't super outright misogynistic. Yeah, I love Ray Bradbury. You know? He's one of yeah. the only men who Male. write books that yeah. I can tolerate. Mm-hmm. Um, and for good reason. His books are really good. I also find it fascinating that a lot of the things he wrote in his books have happened. Mm-hmm. Like in Fahrenheit 451, I remember, like, how do I remember this, right? I haven't read this book in years. Uh-huh. Like eight, n- eight or nine years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like how when everybody's on like the trains and buses and public transport and stuff, they have those little ear pods in their ears. They're like the little shells. Right? Yeah, like, and yeah. they're basically what we have now, which are mm-hmm. <laughs> also, wireless earbuds. All of the um, the billboards that mm-hmm. like I just seeing how the billboards have like been shifting too over the years to be um, screens, mm-hmm. so they can shift, and then now they're like doing like three D ones. Yeah, you know, and it was just like, oh shit, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, or like how there's like the smart home, right? The home like. Mm-hmm talks to him and stuff like that and that's basically what we have now with and his wife like literally only sits at home and just watches her like reality tv shows and yeah. like thinks they're like her friends kind of mm-hmm. and i feel like that's like my youtube my youtube people were like yeah you you feel it was like oh what what's the word for it where you feel like the people on youtube are like your friends because they share that yeah. type of inner right Oh, what the fuck is the word? Sorry. I didn't know there's a word for it. So. There is. It's a um like a psychological phenomenon. Oh. When people like because YouTubers share like they vlog very... and show their intimate parts of their yeah. life. Yeah. And they'll have like breakdowns over like on like on screen essentially. Mm-hmm. And so they're sharing very like oh, personal God. parts of their yeah. lives. Yeah. Yeah. And so in it's like giving people like viewers the sense that they're actually like close and like friends with these yeah, people and like genuinely know them lives yeah definitely um yeah i i really respect ray bradbury i like i like yeah. all of his works i told you i think in the uh the episode we did about books from our youth right i used to have like the leather bound barnes and noble versions of all of ray bradbury's works uh-huh. Like <laughs> I, I love him. Like I used to really, really, really be obsessed with his books and stuff. So I'm with uh-huh. you with Fahrenheit 451 and stuff. Okay, so that was. Oh, and then okay, so the last one that was an assigned reading for me, mm-hmm. and this was sophomore year. So if if you guys listened to the last episode, that was kind of my like I'm gonna be the smartest person in the room. Two episodes ago. Oh right, right, right. Um. I'm going to be the smartest person in the room and read War and Peace and, like, actually try to enjoy, like, academic-type novels and, like, the classics. Yeah. Um, the book that was assigned to us for our summer reading was All Quiet on the Western Front. Okay. <laughs> and it's a war book. And um, I loved it. And I think about it all the time. There was um, one scene. I think it, like, really burst the bubble for me. Um, just, like, I think that was kind of the start of me, like, turning towards a little more of an anarchist, uh, (laughs) view on things. Okay. Um, because there's a scene in the book, he, so he fights for, it's World War II, and he's fighting for the Allies. Okay. The main character. And he ends up in the trench, and it's, like, the Western Front is, like, the stalemate, like, trenches. Right? And, um, so he ends up in, like... A crater from like a bomb type thing in between the um the trenches 
with a German soldier. And they both just look at each other and they realize they're fighting somebody else's war, but they are the ones paying the price. And it was just, like, very, like, little 15, 16-year-old me was like, oh, my God, like, everybody's evil, and these people are just puppets, and they're so unappreciated, and all, blah, 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 all this stuff. And, holy shit, wait, maybe he was on the German, no, he wasn't on the German side. Was he on the German side? Okay. Couldn't have told you. (laughs) I know. Okay. But anyways, that just, um, that was one of the first books where I was, like, Okay, I mean, like, I ha- I don't think I've read a war book since, I and I to. probably, yeah, and I probably won't again. Yeah. But this one was like a really like critical and just like shat on the idea of war, <laughs> and was but like took it from like someone in it, and it was really really sad, but also like wow, this is really dumb. Like I can't believe we are fighting for people who are sitting somewhere else eating like healthy meals and we're like eating sludge if anything and yeah so that that book I think about quite a bit as well and I I was one of the only people I had just switched schools and this was my accelerated English class and we had like an assigned essay to go along with it so I come in like first week of school I turned my essay in and I got the highest grade in the class and she said it in front of the whole class and everyone like looked at me and I was like Okay, I'm starting off good. And then I promptly, like, dropped out of school. But that felt really good, too. Good I was, for like, you. I actually, like, enjoyed this book. And I liked it. And I got it, I felt like. so. Right. Right. Yeah. Good for yeah, you. I think, about, I think about that quite a bit. Interesting. Maybe, maybe just for the academic validation part. That's fair. <laughs> but I still think about it. That's fair. I have, like, a book from a class that I, I – think about frequently I would say besides like Fahrenheit 451 and stuff but this mm-hmm. was like I read it in college so but it has stuck with me so I'm, I'm choosing it but it was the immortal life of Henry Lax. oh right okay <clears throat> I think about this book like probably once a week and I read it like a year ago <laughs> or, or almost two years ago like it uh-huh. really just hit me different um about like racism in the medical industry yeah. throughout history and how that has affected things going forward and how like our actions uh, like work in the long term to help mm-hmm. people and how we react to people in the moment when we are receiving information or you know in in the case of Henrietta Lacks physical cells from her body right mm-hmm. uh and without respect to whomever we're taking them from mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and that how that plays out in the long run so I think about that book all the time. Uh, that I still have to read that book. And, like, I've been – my classes this um, quarter were pretty much all about how broken the healthcare industry is. Yeah, you should absolutely and, read it. We'll probably yeah. talk about it again in the nonfiction episode right. that is coming up. Yeah. Because I have it on my list for that. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> definitely, I think we'll, we should cover it in the future because it was really good. Okay, cool. Um, Love that. Along the lines of, like, Ray Bradbury – Ish mm-hmm. stuff. I just made like a brain connection while you were talking. Okay. Um, that I think Hank Green is our generation's Ray Bradbury. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Because things in his duology, an absolutely remarkable thing and a beautifully foolish endeavor, have been coming true. Isn't it about like social media? 
it is about social media it's about like searching for power in things and then on another level it's also about aliens um (laughs) okay okay um that come in the form of these like metal sculptures around the world starting in new york city um there's a word for it not metal sculptures hold on i actually have to look it up to continue my conversation because this started happening last year those like metal prisms type thing and that's exactly what it is in his book like he predicted that happening (gasps) uh which was really weird and he was like everybody was like hank is this just very good marketing yeah (laughs) for your book and he was like what (laughs) oh my god recently one of my friends finn shout out to finn she listens to this podcast um sent me an article online that was like Hank predicts everything and I was like what the fuck what does this mean and I opened it and it was like I I skimmed it because it was working but it's like something else from it was like Facebook changing it's like name or stuff like oh, that, that like, you know whatever happened with thing? that I didn't pay attention really yeah um but something very extremely similar happens in in Hank's books okay regarding social media and it's like to a T predicted it Damn. <clears throat> so I I think that perhaps in high schoolers uh, <laughs> reading logs down the line, further along in history, uh, we might be seeing Hank Green <laughs> instead of Ray yeah. Bradbury. <laughs> yeah. But you also really have to read those books. That's on my most memorable books, memorable books list that I have in front of me because I, once I finished, especially reading his second book, I could not stop thinking about it. Yeah. Could not stop thinking about it. And I still, like, feel like this is one of those... that That's a duology that I think everyone should read. Okay. And I don't feel that way about a lot of books. <laughs> oh, I have them in my... Like, literally right next to me. They're Dude, sitting they're right so next to me. They're so good. They're so okay. good. <laughs> they're so ah, good. Maybe we'll cover them in the uh, new year. Because I feel like doing, like, these books that I've had forever and haven't read, I have, like, a mental block to actually starting them. Mm-hmm. And then once we find they're like, we're going to do an episode on them, then I can like Clock get the motivation to, yeah, <laughs> to like pick it up and yeah. actually read it. Hey, have I steered you wrong with clap when you land? No. Nope. So I, I, not I, at all. Trust me on these ones. They're okay. very good. All right. What else is on your list? Um, so this is also going to be something I talk about in the um, nonfiction, mm-hmm. our little nonfiction episode. But Cassandra Speaks, I read, um, I listened to the audiobook earlier this year mm-hmm. like in January so it's like coming up on a year um and it's just like a kind of starts as like a feminist retelling not even like a retelling but like just a look at some of the stories that are so integral to um like Christian culture in western society mm-hmm. so like the idea of Adam and Eve and okay. Eve kind of being the one responsible for man's plight and suffering because she ate the apple mm-hmm. and she made Adam do it too. And she like, so it was like first or second to be created first to sin. Mm. It was like Eve. And so, and it was just like the way that these stories and also um, Pandora's box, she was the one who opened the box and let the world um open or like open the world to suffering and like she let out everything okay and like uh, i mean the redeeming thing that she let out was hope mm-hmm. but everything else was like sickness death like all of these the all the horrible things that we suffer 
in our lives was Pandora's fault because she opened the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, so these stories in different cultures in societies that literally blame a woman. Yeah. And the way they've like carried thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just like, okay, so what would like, also like, what would it look like if we, if those stories didn't still have their like standing today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And like the fact that like, we've had those stories for all of like, you know, modern society, like, the modern world essentially and so it was just kind of it was about that and like it is written by a white woman and she acknowledges her um her shortcomings on like fully experiencing like any type of intersectional feminism Mm -hmm. you know and so it's like I think it's really good for what it is I also like I have other books that I still like need to read to kind of like expand my perspective on that but that one was like one of my first nonfiction books honestly on feminism and yeah. it just like it hit me so hard and I've re-listened to it multiple times now and Cassandra essentially is um so she it's from a Greek myth where she it actually I think takes she was in the um Battle of Troy Mm, yeah battle of troy um like line or um battle of troy myth essentially i guess but um so she was apollo really wanted to um fuck her and she said no and her curse from him was that she will be able to predict the future but nobody will listen to her Mm. when she does so she knows when these horrible things are going to happen but no, and so she has to like she warns everybody. She knows what's going to happen. She warns everybody, but the curse is nobody believes her. Nobody listens to her, and so it just it start the book starts off with that where it was like Cassandra, I hear you. I'm listening to you. Like I believe you, and just and like just the and so like it carries through the book of like women aren't like still just aren't heard and aren't like believed and listened to in all of these things and then there's oh my god there's a chapter on um larry nasser and all of the gymnasts who came forward mm-hmm. and that shit made me cry yeah like no other it was oh oh my god but um so yeah that book i think over the last year is the one like nonfiction that just like really 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 hit me that's fair that's fair yeah yeah. yeah. I I kind of feel that way about the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks. Like I yeah. like that kind of like okay. It really yeah. opens your mind up to a different idea that you didn't mm-hmm. have before. I like I I have a lot of nonfiction works that I wanted to include in this episode, but I think if I include them all, I'm going to not talk about them in, in the nonfiction episode. So yeah. I'm only going to acknowledge one more nonfiction work on my end, uh and it okay. was Paula by uh Isabella Allende. Okay. Um, I, you know me. I love Isabella Allende. I, yeah. I stand this woman <laughs> like no other. Um, and I read her nonfiction work Paula over the summer, and it is essentially a long letter. It's a memoir, but it's like a letter to her daughter, Paula, who mm-hmm. passed away 
mm-hmm. a couple years ago. And but it's written like a story. It, Allende has like the most beautiful writing style in the world, even when she's writing nonfiction. Um, mm-hmm. But she basically like uh, she wrote it during the course of the year when her daughter Paula was in a coma. Oh, wow. Um, and so she writes like basically the history of her life and leading up to Paula when she had Paula. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like it, it covers uh, like Allende covers a lot of social issues in anything she writes, whether it be fiction or nonfiction. Um, and specifically her discussion of being uh, a Latina woman in the world and especially in an industry in which there were not a lot of Latina women at the tops of New York Times bestselling author right. charts, you know, uh, when she first published her first work, uh, The House of the Spirits. Um and it's just, like, it's painful. It's beautiful. She talks about, like, um, how she was regarded as a woman when she was a child and how how her way of growing up influenced how she would have a daughter one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to have the most beautiful daughter ever, Paula, and to, to be losing her over the course of a year. And Isabella Allende has a, has a superstition in which she always starts books, like, starts writing a book on January 8th every year. Okay. Um, and that was the the day she first started writing The House of the Spirit, so she thought it was good luck. So she would write – she starts to write a book. Uh, like, she writes books in a year. She's insane. Um, she'll, mm-hmm. she'll start a book every January 8th. And so it was like a coincidence that Paula was born on a January 8th. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it, 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 the whole story is just beautiful and moving. And then, um, you know, by the end, you know – the end of the letter is coming because Paula dies and it's just the most heartbreaking and beautiful uh one one of the most beautiful works I've read definitely ever and I literally spent like two weeks not being able to read anything else after I finished it it was (laughs) I was just like I'm stuck and like I I, yeah I'm emotionally emotionally stunted now because I cried all of my tears um yeah, so that's high high up there on my list of memorable books. Okay. I, I know. I need to – I remember when you read that and Fuck. you <laughs> telling me all about it and you were just like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was a lot and it was beautiful and yeah. it hurt. <laughs> and I think I, <laughs> I think I bought it and I think I actually – when I bought it, I think I actually accidentally got the signed version because when I went to oh, a wow. checkout, I was like, why is this book like $40? Yeah. Um, and then I like opened it and I was like, okay, I guess, okay, I guess this is what happened. It's fine. That's funny, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely up there on my list. And I, I think like, I also read another Isabella Allende book that I'll be talking about in the nonfiction episode okay. coming soon, but mm-hmm. that one is almost made this list too. So I'll, I'll talk okay. about that one later. Before we move on to discuss more of our memorable books, let's listen to a quick word about the brand sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Real quick before we move on, we just want to remind you all that today is the fourth day of our 12 Days of Book Miss Marathon. That means you'll continue to have us all up in your podcast subscription box for the next nine days. We hope you'll continue to join us for our 12-day bookish marathon leading up to Christmas Day. 
All right, hit me with your next book. How many right. more do you have, by the way? Um, one, two, three. Okay. Okay. Uh, but these are all uh, essentially book talk books. Okay. And books from the last year that okay. I've like. Okay, Song of Achilles. Mood. I, I have that on my list too, but yeah. I, I was like, I don't know if I want to talk about it. But yes, yes. Yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I still think about that one all the time. Um, There's I mean, something I th- about a book that shatters you as a human that makes yeah. you not be able to forget it. Yeah. And honestly, I like even I was thinking about like why Cassandra speaks like I also really stuck with me. Anything that has to do with Greek mythology. <laughs> That's like, not what I thought you were going to say. I don't know no. what I thought you were going to say, but it wasn't that. <laughs> no, anything that has to do with like Greek mythology. I am such a whore for like, yeah. oh, my God, I yeah, I saw a TikTok recently and it was just like, I will sell my left kidney just to know what madeline miller yes. is writing next yes. and mood agree yeah agree big agree such a oh my god such a badass like cersei too like cersei was such a different i feel like even though both greek mythology cersei was just a different like pace in a different everything yeah from song of achilles but both just so beautiful um i think the love story of song of achilles just like extra got me mm-hmm. um we're and also then, about to come up on our one year one anniversary year. of reading mm-hmm. that so actually we, i know I, we might have read that in december i know we did the episode in january i think but we did read i think it we december. read it in december i need to read i'm gonna reread what if it, today is literally our hold on wait i gotta go to goodreads we gotta we gotta find out uh december 13th is when i read it so yeah it's actually been a year since i read this book (laughs) and i finished it just before you right yeah no i finished it before you Uh uh-uh because yes uh uh-huh because i told you don't look anything up to let it break your heart in full i'm i'm silent because i'm remembering yeah because i said don't look anything up and then you did (laughs) <laughs> i didn't look it up i just flipped to the back of the book spoiler alert for anyone and i saw that he um was a body patrius was like looking down on um achilles like dragging his body around and i was like oh shit yeah. okay yes ma'am yes because i started before you remember i got to like page 100 and i was like you have to read this book she was like, okay. You were like, okay, I'll start now. And that's that's what we did. But okay. anyways, yeah, that one that one stuck with me too. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's it, your next book? My next book is, I'm just trying to pick, honestly. Um, okay. I'm just going to do like a mention to Clap When You Land because I know we okay. just covered this in an episode. So obviously you know why it's memorable to me. But right. I... The second I finished this book, I could not stop thinking about it. So it was very nice to reread it for the the most recent episode we have of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think about that book all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's ingrained in my brain forever. So that that is my honorable mention. Um, But the hate you give. That's on my list as well. Think about the hate you give all the fucking time. Yeah, all the fucking time. Like, I really want to read Concrete Rose. Me too. I see it every time I go into Powell's. Yeah. I have uh, it. I need, I need to one. buy it. I need to buy it. Yeah. 
but I think about the hate you give all the time. Like it yeah. is one of there's there's something about like clap when you land and the hate you give that are YA books that don't feel YA necessarily. You know, they have like such a f- profound, deeper meaning than just a YA novel. You know, I think like those are both books I read, and I was like, these need to be read by. 14 year olds by Mm -hmm. 15 year olds like I remember coming out of the hate you give I'm like why are we not reading this in high school literally yeah because it's like absolutely the the YA like approach to it makes it like easier for kids Mm -hmm. and you know young adults but it like ah like it just like so many of these things of like if kids were forced (laughs) to read these things and talk about these things and learn about these things at a younger age like how different could things be right like and I think and it's like obviously it's not going to change the world but I think it would make a really um important difference at least Mm -hmm. to some extent you know yeah oh absolutely I think that yeah these like the hate you give is something that I think will be a classic one day I think that it is it is that level of memorable, of important, impactful, you know, that it, mm-hmm. it's it's one of those that is going to be like, oh, everybody's read that. It's going to be the next, you know. Yeah. Big. It, and I think it should be taught in classrooms. Like, I know we talked about that with the clap in the clap when you land episode. Yeah. That that's one of those books, too. And I feel the same way about the hate you give. It's like, can we replace that with To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah, for real. Yeah. No, no, uh, white savior complex. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And I think that's like a big thing. Like for a long time, I liked, uh, to kill a mockingbird mm-hmm. because I didn't get that, that it's being we were, taught we- to us to learn how to be like white saviors. Literally. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think definitely like so, substitute that one in for yeah. <laughs> the hate you give. Definitely. Or just like anything written by a like BIPOC author mm-hmm. you know about their own experience like reflecting on their own experience in yeah. life like yeah okay. <sighs> what's your next one <laughs> um embarrassing but my final final one is Akatar. Oh, interesting. I think that's fair because mm-hmm. I also remember it. <laughs> yeah. Like I say, there's like it really takes a lot for a book to be to give me more than like a crumb of a memory in my brain. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I do remember most of Avatar, so that's fair. So what's interesting is like the joke on Book Talk is kind of like me having not read for like five years and then like seeing this book on booked or like, on TikTok and like, huh, maybe I'll pick it up. And then now look at me mm-hmm. like with having spent like thousands of dollars on books and I'm just like a menace to society because I can't stop reading fairy smut. But um, I read Akatar from Aliana. One of my friends was like, cause I was like, I want to get back into reading. I don't know what to read. Um, I haven't read a book in, like, years. Like, what do I do? And she was like, oh, I read this series in high school. I think you might like. And I was like, okay, why didn't you tell me about this in high school? She's like, I don't know. I just didn't tell you about it. And so I bought – oh, no, she gave me her paper copy. And I still have her paperback copy of her book. And then I remember reading that so fast and then downloading the other ones on (laughs) – 
Apple books Mm -hmm. because I didn't have my Kindle at the time. And, and I was like, it was very much like, I cannot wait to go and buy this. Like I need to have it right now. It's two in the morning and I have to start the next book. Right. Um, and so that's here. It did do what everyone says it does. Like it got me back into reading. Yeah. And, but like it did it from before, like I didn't get it from book talk. Right. Um, but yeah, I still think about, and I think it's like, it's so easy to keep thinking about it because it's such a pervasive um, series on book talk. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I know, like, I know there are so many problematic aspects of it but yeah we we do want to acknowledge that though we enjoyed the actual series right of Uh Akatar we understand that there's a lot of criticism about um the author the author yeah and I know we mentioned Sarah J Mass frequently that doesn't necessarily mean we're like fully supporting her we both we both discussed this pretty frequently that like it's very hard to separate the art from the artist um and there are times when maybe we shouldn't and just yeah. Um so it's it's difficult to I don't it's like it's also frustrating when you like something when you know it's like there is an aspect to it where maybe you shouldn't like it. Mm-hmm. Um but it's like fuck I really did and I and it's uh yeah. But I think about Akatar a lot. I really do. That's hey, that's fair. Um one uh, I have t- I have two more okay so one of my two is Leaves of Grass by Walt Whitman okay um which as we discussed manic in, pixie dream girl yeah, moment <laughs> my manic pixie dream girl moment I just love Walt Whitman I loved everything he stands for I mean unless he was racist I'm sorry if I don't know that um he was a white man um, so would, probably um no but he was gay so that's fun and uh he had a crush on Abraham Lincoln so Oh, that's that's a lot of what his work is about. Uh, but I think I I heard, a like, I watched uh, Dead Poet Society when I was probably too young to watch Dead Poet Society. Um, mm-hmm. And there, you know, there's the scene where Professor Keating, you know, all, all the kids stand up at the, on the table for him and say, oh, Captain, my captain, right? And I remember mm-hmm. being like, I know what that's from. I read Walt Whitman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Extra the, manic pixie dream girl moment. Oh, even more. It gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> So, and then, you know, uh, Professor Keating teaches all the, the class about the line, like a powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. Mm-hmm. And I have had that quote ingrained in my brain since I was probably like 14. Mm-hmm. And it won't leave my brain. And my mm-hmm. first tattoo is literally inspired by Walt Whitman's Leaves of Grass. Um, and I own six copies of that book in different formats. And every time I see a new one that looks prettier than the last one I bought, I buy it. So there is something undeniable about uh, Walt Whitman's work for me that we are two peas in a pot. So <laughs> yeah, I will never forget that work. Um, and then very predictably, the last one on my list, these were in no particular order, by the way. I was literally just yeah. jumping around on my list, um, is Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. Oh, okay. Thank uh, you. Because that was the first time I saw OCD portrayed in a book the way that my brain feels it. And I really, you know, um, it resonated with me. And I've read it, reread that book again over the years. And I also, you know, went to uh, the publishing day party and event for when it was released, uh, when John Mm -hmm. was in New York. And I 
just remember being like, I don't know what this book is going to be, but I know I'm going to love it. And then I started reading it and I was like, I couldn't put it down and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And years later, I also couldn't stop thinking about it and rereading it when I can and thinking about different parts and stuff. And it's, you know, it's a YA novel. It's not like something necessarily that should be considered profound and it's not all along the levels of clap when you land or the hate you give but it for mm-hmm. me it, it stayed with me and I think that's like a key part of books that stuck with you right like yeah, is, yeah. Is what did it, it meant something to you for a reason and that book is one of them that I was like this is beautiful and this is this makes me feel seen so yeah and it was also very vulnerable of John to write because it's yeah. it's loosely based off of how his OCD works. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I there's a lot of respect to somebody who can, you know, put Do their that. put their own scars on display for everybody yeah. else to see. So, respect. And respect. it's probably time I reread that again because why not? Maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll join you because I also have not read that one. You should. It's, it's so quick too. It's it's really short. I'm like trying to remember. I think. The only John Green books I've actually read all the way through. I know Fault in Our Stars for sure. I don't even know if I finished Paper Towns. So you don't know what happens at the end? <gasps> I've probably looked it up. I spoil everything for myself. I probably looked it up before I even started the book. Um, That's so but funny. yeah, I think I know. I need to give John Green a better shot. I think I was kind of the. I was my internalized uh misogyny wouldn't at let that you point enjoy something life. that other girls enjoyed yeah yeah i know so what you mean. yeah i think we should we should cover some, some john classic green. john green um, i'm down we could just do like a john green episode we really could i think turtles all the way down deserves maybe more than one episode, okay. like than a qu- quarter of an episode but okay i think like there's something so nostalgic about those works that like i was the biggest nerd fighter fangirl of all time like i (laughs) i was like deep into the green brothers tumblers like john used to be um god what was his tumblr name it was like fishing for something i don't remember but didn't you also know like what line was written on his like wedding ring yes because it's beautiful and i can't remember it It, he has like a fascination with latin phrases the same way you do yeah. and his his is just like uh fuck like love is the foundation of love or something like that but in latin okay it and i remember seeing it and being like oh my god i want that <laughs> I was, uh so i saved it somewhere um right but and- yeah i used to be so above and beyond like extra for this man mm-hmm. like i for when the fault in our stars became a movie Mm-hmm. Right, me and my friends bought tickets to see the movie the night before the night. They had like a John had a special thing oh for goodness. his fans to see the movie before it actually officially came out one night before. And That's if you so did, cute. you would get a movie poster along with it and a little like charm bracelet that had like something from the movie significant on it. And I swear to God, I probably still have this to this day somewhere mm-hmm. at my parents' house. I know I definitely have the poster at my parents' house somewhere. I used to have it hanging up on my wall. And then they did the same thing when, when Paper Towns, the movie, came out. And I also did that. So You were uh, such a Tumblr girl. Dude, I really was. And I was also, <laughs> like, the, like so deep into nerd fighteria. Like, you don't even know. Like, I know everything about these men. Not in a necessarily creepy way, but I'm, like, I'm no, all up in, I don't I'm know all if that's for you to business. decide. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm all up in their business ventures is, like, what I'm meaning. Okay, like, okay. Like, yeah. some people are, like, I know Hank from TikTok. And, or I used to watch 
them on SciShow or, you know, Crash Course. And you know their like, like, assistants I'm, and stuff. I'm, and... Yeah, I'm, like, everywhere. <laughs> like, I have – I am friends with John's assistant. I have Rosiana's phone number. Like, we are it, – it is so deep <laughs> Yeah, that I'm, like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you don't you don't have to tell me i know <laughs> yeah so you know i think with that way you will <laughs> yes um i forgot that i have uh tattoos that have to do with books oh entirely Go ahead. um so i have my song of achilles tattoo which is mm-hmm. like a statue essentially of achilles it was very like i found something on pinterest and then i was like i'm gonna make this but like Song of Achilles, if I it, so it's As like a does. yeah, so it's like a um, the statue of Achilles' head with like the like the Trojan like the like the horse hair trail down the helmet type mm-hmm. thing, um, but like the statue's broken and coming out of it are like flowers and vines and stuff, and like for me it was just kind of the the way I still say Patroclus kill me okay. I don't know okay. but um. The way Patroclus was like, Achilles was so much more than just this, like, this fighter who was destined to be this, like, the best, like, warrior, essentially, of all time. Like, he was beautiful and, like, artistic and caring and, like, this lovely human, too. And so it was just like this, for me, it was like, okay, breaking the, um, you know, breaking apart, like, the destiny of being this kind of brute this brute force type thing and letting the beauty come out of it. I don't know. I thought it was very deep when I got it. And it's still like, I get complimented on that the most <laughs> out of all of them. I mean, shout out to my tattoo artist who did a fantastic job. Um, it is very beautiful and I love it. Um, and I also shout out to uh, V.E. Schwab and the invisible life of Addie LaRue. <laughs> um, the Latin phrase that the, I don't even remember his name. The boy from Paris who she was talking to. And they went to like one of those little um, where all of the intellects gathered. And like Voltaire was there, I uh-huh. think. Um, but he said in Latin, it was like um, to find a way or make your own. Or like I shall find a way or make one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, I don't know how to say it. But it was like out in venium, vium, out facium. Okay. Or something like that. Um, and... I remember I was like, I need that on my body. And <laughs> so I have it on my body. And uh, everyone asks me about it. And I have to say it's from a book. And you know what? No shame. I, I will think continue. I think there's manic pixie dream girl vibes and saying that you have a tattoo from a book. I don't think that's a that's a lame thing at all. I think that's like, yeah. oh, you look intelligent. Is it is it not lame to be a manic pixie dream girl, though? I'm on the fence. <laughs> I think it's um, hard to 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 pull my head out of my that, 2014 body. Is that not a little bit of a pick me vibe? Um, it is. It yeah. is. But then you also have to consider like, uh, it, do we just think about pick me vibes because men have made us feel bad about enjoying things that men enjoy? True. Uh, it's so much to pull. It's a apart. battle. I I I'll continue battling it. Um, yeah. And I will also continue getting books or tattooed Good. on me. As you should. So, and speaking of that, if I were to ever get one more tattoo, it would definitely be uh, the thing that the crows say in Six of Crows when they right. leave each other, which is no mourners, no funerals. Oh, 
But yes, that that's like one of those things that I, I you know what honorable mention to Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom because they were I almost put them on my list and then I was like is that cringy? No, it's not. I remember those like nobody's business. I really liked Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom. But yeah, no mourners, no funerals. Okay, um, maybe we don't have to talk about Addie Larue, but like. And I like that one. I didn't put on my list, but now that I'm thinking about it, like I do still think about it. Yeah, um, that's fair. Not as much as the others, but like I do still think about Addie Larue. Yeah, I think it was like I. I think some of the books I remember the most were like books I took from the peak of book talk, like when we first yeah. joined. Um, and I think that that's why they're memorable because I was excited about reading again. The hype. So- I have a hard time pulling apart, like, did I really, really enjoy that book more than I've enjoyed other books? Or did I just enjoy it because it felt good to fall in love with reading again? And yeah. I don't know. Like, Addie LaRue, I, I didn't like as much as everybody else liked. But I do remember really liking it. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, But I think that was at the point where I was starting to see that some books were overhyped. Like, Evelyn Hugo. I didn't, like, looking back at it now, yeah. I honestly didn't really like it. Like, it was okay to me. Yeah. Um. But at the time, I was like, am I thinking I really like this book because everybody else says it's so good? Yeah. You know? I don't know. So, But now with more reflection, I'm kind of like, I don't know. So I would revisit Addie LaRue at some point soon because just to see if I would like it better or the same mm-hmm. or less at this point in my life now that I've read 74 very good books this year. This might have been my right. 75th, actually. Wow. Which is fun. Um, yeah. Right. I think okay. that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. Before we part, we'd just like to thank you for listening. There are so many different ways to spend your time these days, and we are extremely thankful that you've chosen to allocate some of your time with the two of us. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on, if applicable. If you have any further questions regarding topics discussed throughout the episode, feel free to join our Hardcover Hose Discord server via the link in the show notes or send us an email at hardcoverhosepod at gmail.com, and we will be sure to get back to you. Feel free to recommend books to cover in future episodes as well. As always, I'm Sam Dixon. I'm Sammy Scorstead. And this has been an episode of Hardcover Hope. If you enjoyed this listening experience and you'd like to follow along with us next time, the next book on our to-be-read list is The Holiday Switch by Tiff Marcello. Until we meet again, enjoy your reading.